Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David, how are we doing today? Doing well. Are you excited to be here for quality number three (laughs) of the Just Leader? Yes. Is Is it less exciting for you because you know the answers? You know, like our audience is, is just sitting there waiting for you to go deep with this stuff. But is it less exciting for you that no. you already know the answers no. to the test? No, it's not less exciting. It's not? Okay. It's all new and fresh, which is really encouraging. Like when you know the answers and you can't wait to share, then yeah. you're excited. And it's I not, and, excited. And, and let me just say, these aren't really answers to the test. I know. That's unfair. We're, we're not experts, but this is a journey like well, we talked on the about, and That's right. this is tease up conversations, right? Mm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It never grows stale. It is evergreen. So I'm excited for this book to be out in the world, for us to be doing this podcast, to be able to walk through these four qualities. Again, for our listeners who are, this might be their first touch point, we're halfway through a series in the back half of unpacking the four qualities of a just leader, which David, you unpack in your book by the same name. And so if you are first time, well, you don't have to necessarily listen to these in order, but uh, I think they do operate sequentially. And so we encourage you to go back to just foundations and, and start from the beginning start because we really do set the foundation for these future conversations. But today we're talking about power. Are you ready to talk about power, David? You feeling about, powerful today? All about power. Okay. Are you, you're not power hungry because that, that would be bad. I think we're anti being power hungry, but we're going to actually go the other direction. <laughs> or honestly, I don't really know. We'll see. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But there really is a through line. The reason I talk about listening to these sequentially is because this one has a lot in common with cultural competency in that if you your experience is maybe normative as a white person in America whose culture may be centered in society, power kind of functions the same way. And that if you have it, you might not think about it all that much. But if you don't have it, you, you really see clearly power dynamics if you're on the outside looking in. And so I think that for people who, who are listening, who, who may not even really think about power a ton, this is buckle up because this is going to be a really helpful episode. And you go into this pretty expansively in the book, spanning multiple chapters. So David, as you see what's happening around power in our culture today, lay the the landscape, paint a picture for me of how you see power playing out culturally. Power is a hot topic, and I think it also is very visible. And we're seeing power in a variety of ways and largely fueled by the way we can consume uh, information through social media and other things and the way we see leaders and or people of influence, celebrities kind of talk about power and or demonstrate how they are utilizing that power. 
powers become a topic too as we even think about cultural competency and how to rectify you know inequalities and equity issues mm-hmm. and usually the conversations ends up being a power conversation mm. and about redistributing power which is something we'll get into today and how to think about that in a healthy way when when you I, and and let me just say that when i thought about this third quality my title of it was first empowering others mm. And as I thought about it, and I really thought about what it means to be just, I knew that wasn't strong enough, that this really is about giving power away and much more sacrificial, much more inconvenient, much more uncomfortable. And yet it's extremely important that we understand what we mean by power when we say that phrase. And then what does it mean to give it away? When you look at our culture, and I just I did actually a Google search on giving power away. And these are the messages that came back from that search. Don't let anyone take your power away from you. The only time you don't have power is when you give it away. Do not give away your power to others, asking them to define you and claim your power with a big exclamation point. (laughs) So... I was not getting good vibes on this idea of giving power away as the messages coming back were <laughs> don't give your power away. And it's interesting because inherent in those statements are certain definitions of power that are different than the way we would define power. So what you hear in those statements is power is is my identity. Hmm. And if you define power in that way, it makes sense for you not to give it away. You don't want to lose your identity. You don't want to lose your value. But power is not necessarily our identity. You know, we get our identity and our value from God. And no matter what measure of power we have, and by the way, all of us have a measure of power, whether we have a little or a lot, Hmm. but our value doesn't come from power or our identity doesn't come from power. But you see that in those uh, descriptions. And, you know, many of us interact with people who are really trying to hold on to their identity and their value, and they'll translate it to power. And so in our interpersonal relationships, there can be real tension there because Mm. it's all centered on power when it should be on other things that don't create that tension. The second big idea is that power is is seen as a dominating power or a power over people. And that's the way we normally think of power, and that's the way we define it, where you have a certain measure of strength and you wield that strength over other people. And so the idea of giving away that power, that is actually very destructive. If I'm just if I'm seeing power as dominating over people. And then I give that power to other people. Then I, who was a, an oppressor, is now giving oppressive power to other people just to become oppressors. Repeat the cycle. Yeah. We just repeat the cycle and nothing has ever uh, changed. So that's what we're seeing in our society. Hmm. Um, and therefore, we have to make sure that we understand what we mean when we say power. Yeah. Well, as leaders of faith who are on this justice journey, 
we need to be able to, you know, as we talked about earlier, we need to see the whole playing field. We need to build cultural competency. And there, this goes, it takes you right through the issue of power. There's no getting around it and knowing what do I do with the power that I have. And again, just like we did in our previous episode, we've got, there are ample examples in scripture that outline what is it, how do we handle power? What is the right way to use it and wield it with the power that we do have in our various spheres? So David, can you unpack a little bit, like you do in the book, how, how is God's power different than power is identity and power is domination? Well, God's power has a lot of qualities, and I highlight three in the book. First, his power is creative. And it's really fun to think about this part of his power. Of course, we go back to the very beginning of time. You know, God created everything. (laughs) He created the heavens and the earth, the sea. He created us in his image all the animals, everything. And so his first exercise of power was to create. So when we create, and we talked about this in earlier episodes, how we are co-creators with God, and one of the purposes of our work is to continue his creation. So when we have the opportunity to create, to make things out of nothing, we are exercising the same power that God exercises in that it's creative. It's also vulnerable. Annie Crouch in Playing God, his book, points out that true human flourishing comes when we combine authority and vulnerability, which is a unique combination. A lot of times people, when they think of power, they don't think of vulnerability. But when you look at Jesus and his example, he was incredibly vulnerable. He came to earth as a man and experienced all the same pains and struggles we do. He got tired. He got sick. And in the end, he died. He gave up his life and experienced even separation from God because of all that. Incredible picture of vulnerability and yet he never he never once lost his authority as the son of god his power was very much at play mm. and so you have this unique combination of authority with vulnerability and then finally god's power is uplifting we know that all of our power and influence comes from god it's not anything that we've conjured up in and of ourselves. It's a gift. And so it makes sense then that we would follow God by emptying ourselves, just like Jesus did, so that we can lift others up. This is a power that allows us to die to ourselves, disadvantaging ourselves for the advantage of others. It's us decreasing so that others increase, knowing that Hmm. success is not found in the way world me- the world measures success. It's found in, in, a, in a die-to-self leadership strategy. So that's a much, much different way to think about power compared to our culture. I would say so. <laughs> you know, you, you don't see, when you did that Google search around power, you didn't see disadvantage yourself in all caps, right? That's that's not going to be there. It's not going to. I don't know how many pages you have to go on Google to get to to that one, 
but it's all through the pages of scripture. And and that's our guide. And it's going to be very, very countercultural, but redemptive and meaningful and transformative if we tap into wielding that kind of power in a, in a way that is oriented towards others and disadvantaging towards ourselves. So we need some help. Who's modeled this kind of leadership in ways that could help bring this quality to life for people? Because it is, again, because it is so countercultural, examples are helpful. So what examples come to, to your mind when it comes to people who've modeled giving power away? Yeah, well, as I as I think about that in my own life, and I think about those of you listening, I'm sure you have examples of this personally, where you think about teachers, coaches, even parents or siblings or older siblings or whoever has been influential in your in your life who have given of themselves. Who, where you would say they modeled what it looks like to disadvantage themselves for the advantage of others. If you've been on teams or other other things that allow you to see people sacrifice so that everyone wins, those come to mind. And when I think about public figures in particular, two come to mind just right at the outset. One for me is Nelson Mandela and the way he endured his imprisonment on Robbins Island and the way he decided to learn the language of his oppressors by learning the Afrikaans' language hmm. so that he could build trusting relationships with them and understand how they tick so that then he could ultimately pursue the, the goals that he, he, he knew were right for his country in South Africa and eventually those things led to his release and ultimately him becoming president of the country. I think of Martin Luther King, again, oppressed and leading a, a movement where he's leading people who've been oppressed because of their race. And instead of lashing out in revenge, he leads a nonviolent campaign where he even talked about loving and engaging those who were the oppressors. You know, when you think about oppressed groups and the way they humbly moved forward in a posture of love and forgiveness, hmm. it's astounding to me, hmm. particularly being someone who has not experienced that kind of oppression. And what's interesting to the, uh, about this, and it's an important point for us to make, when people hear the term giving away power, it's easy to think this is a zero-sum game, hmm. that when we give away power, we're just giving up power for others to have, and we're divvying up power within a pie dynamic, when instead, typically, if it's done right, the pie gets bigger. All boats rise. Everyone wins. And, you know, we don't give up power in this way so that we get power back. That's not the motivation. Hmm. But in these examples, you see that authority and vulnerability were, were present at the same time. Hmm. That Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King, even Jesus, maintained their authority and their influence as a result of a die-to-self leadership and giving up power strategy. Arguably gained it. I mean, you became more powerful in a different type of way 
because their legacy became more enduring because it was inspiring the way that they disadvantaged themselves. That's, that was the story instead of grasping for it or using it to, to, to dominate that, you know, someone listening, I'm not going to be a Nelson Mandela or ML, MLK, but oftentimes this work of giving power away probably is not going to make the papers. And, and that's a, maybe a good indication that you're doing it the right way is when it goes un, unnoticed by the masses, but maybe is noticed by a meaningful few in, in your sphere. No question. And I hope I hope that gives everyone listening a a real a measure of encouragement that this is something you're doing. You probably don't even know that you're doing it. Mm. It's my hope. Mm. And again, it's become who you are, not just what you do. We come back to that phrase over and over again. Yeah. But if this is part of your posture, part of your DNA and part of your understanding of a broad view of success, then this becomes a part of the way you live out your daily life. Hmm. Let's talk about the workplace and it comes to giving power away. What advice would you give for leaders in, in trying to live this quality out in their workplace? One of the things I would say is go back to our podcast series on on Thrive that at the core of what we talk about is being a leader who's thriving, who creates an environment where their employees are thriving, and then creates uh, an environment where their communities thrive. That all throughout the qualities that we discuss, building trust, being healthy, creating relationships, um, building impact, helping people feel valued, and creating an environment where people are engaged. Those are the six qualities that we talk about in the Thrive series. And what we talk about a bit in the book is a way in which leaders can lead from a position of giving away power. And there are all kinds of practical ways across those qualities that can enable a leader to do that. And, you know, it starts with helping leaders understand how well, they thrive themselves mm. because they can't do this if they're not in a place where they're thriving to help their employees thrive. The second is, and I, I use a, one chapter to really go deep in this, and that is success, how we define success. If we want to be leaders who help everyone rejoice, you know, we talk about cities rejoicing as the outcome of our leadership, everyone flourishing, then we have to understand how our success would help everyone win. You know, in other words, what does our success look like so that everyone around us, no matter where they come from, would be dancing in the streets because we're being successful? Because they know that when we're successful, everyone wins. And so that requires leaders to have a much deeper understanding of what success is. And different measurement sticks of how we know we're doing well. And what this will mean is that we're adding outcomes that other leaders don't even pay attention to, don't even care about. Mm. And so that requires an extra measure of, again, we come back to this term, world-class leadership. You know, if I'm going to 
be just, wherein I'm going to pursue a success so that everyone flourishes. It's not just about me winning, but about everyone winning. Then how do I do that and remain competitive in the marketplace? How am I profitable? How am I investing in my people in such a way that I might have higher costs, but I need to have greater efficiencies so that I can be a real player in the market and not find myself always having to catch up. And so this, this is where sort of the rubber meets the road with all of this. You know, we can talk a good game about being just, but at the end of the day, a business leader is going to come back to me, come back to us and say, yeah, but I need to make money. Mm. Got to keep I the need lights to be, on. I need yeah. to keep the lights on. I need to be profitable. You're talking about all this stuff. We don't have time for it. Mm. How in the world are we going to do this and be competitive? So we talk about that in the book. It's a bigger conversation, but that is way we think practically about how this works in the marketplace. Hmm. Yeah, I love, I love, I think going back to Thrive, it's all related. It's all connected, right? We talked about that in previous episodes of this being two sides of the same coin of being just and thriving and how even something like giving power away, you can model that. You talked about the Andy Crouch quote from his book around blending authority and vulnerability. I have not seen a better example of of a leader modeling vulnerability than just doing a Thrive assessment and having us present their results to their employees and going under the microscope of their leadership and opening up a forum where people, they're, they're getting scored and their people know their scores in each of those six categories. That is a incredibly vulnerable act that has ripple effects through a company. And that, that is, that is lowering your guard, right? I mean, that's potentially putting bullets in someone else's gun that they can use to, to, <laughs> but it also, I mean, that's not never how we see it play out, right? It, it is always disarming in a positive way, in a way that unifies a culture, grows it, enhances trust. And you're, like you said, the pie gets bigger every time we, we present those results to a team when a leader does that and, and disarms themselves and, in that way because it, it's contagious. Yeah, it becomes a model for the rest of their team. So That's when right. we do that for the next level of leaders, they've seen that happen and then it has a ripple effect throughout the organization. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, David, let's talk bottom line, shall we? What's the final thought you want to leave with our listeners around power? I mentioned it before, but all of us have a measure of power. Uh, some of us listening to this episode will think to themselves, that's great for other people, or that's great for my leader, mm. or that's great for you know others who are older than me. But I would just want to encourage you, no matter what age you are, no matter what stage you are, no matter what position you have, no matter how many resources you have or don't have, you have a measure of power. And you are called to be a just leader, the Sadakim that we talk about, the righteous who steward their power and their resources, not for themselves, but for others. And therefore, this is about downward mobility. <laughs> now we're not, talking. Not, not upward mobility. It's about downward mobility. But again, it's not a zero-sum game. You know, if we look at Jesus again in Philippians 2, it said Jesus 
did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself Hmm. by taking the form of a servant, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an incredible picture of giving power away. And through Jesus' model, being very God, the true God, who emptied himself completely for our behalf. We are now people who have the opportunity to not only follow in his footsteps, but he's given us power. Hmm. It's the power of his spirit to be manifested throughout our world and our relationships and the things that he's called us to. Hmm. So we should be incredibly confident in the power that God has given us but we do so in ways that are creative, uplifting, and vulnerable. Mm. And by doing that, everyone wins, including ourselves. Mm. It's you win, you win by losing. And that only makes sense when you have a different definition of what winning is. It's not going to be the same definition that culture has. But it's it's a it's a different a whole different way of viewing what true success uh, is in your work in your vocation in your life, yeah. and that is in looking to Christ is going to be where that power comes from to give it away. <laughs> it right. only in following His lead and seeing because that verse it didn't end there. It didn't end with He died on a cross, but then God seated Him at the right hand. Right, He really stepped into all of who what His purpose was on earth. And why that legacy has changed the world, who you know Mandela points to, MLK was a shade of, right? Imperfectly both instances. Every example in human form is going to be imperfect. But it, it points to a leadership style that is, that's where we get the power to disadvantage ourselves when we look at how Jesus did it for us and that we ultimately have already won. That's right. He's already claimed victory. Yeah. The scoreboard is set. <laughs> You're we, watching the game we, knowing that your we, team has already won we, and you can win. just you can watch with your yeah. blood pressure lowered. <laughs> yeah, we we win and he's yeah. he's given us the rules of the of the game mm. that are according to his kingdom and how he set things up to work mm. rather than the world's kingdom. Mm. And we constantly just have to remind ourselves because we're so inundated by the world's principles. We have to constantly remind ourselves about the rules that he's given us so that everyone can flourish. Mm, that's great. Well, I can't wait to land this plane, David. Fourth quality is next. Bold and courageous action. We are not going to tie any neat bows on this series, but we're just going to ask more questions, and I hope our listeners are stay tuned and stay on the ride with us. Stay on the journey. Awesome. See you next time. Thanks, Rob. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals, one, one, then spelled out, T-E-N, leadership.com. That's one, one, T-E-N, leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.